0: This is the Troll Patrol, Patrol live with Justin
1: Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol live. It's a freaking Monday. I hope everybody had a great freaking weekend. We have a fantastic show in store for you tonight. We have a special guest. I don't do it very often. Bringing on a special guest, the Reverend Scott Williamson better known as the Salty Pastor. I'm going to let him tell you why he is salty here in just a little bit. Plus, we're going to update you about what's going on in Gaza right now. Hamas is saying that Israel attacked a residential building that housed the AP and Al Jazeera. Hamas is saying they weren't operating out of that building. And that was Israel's excuse for leveling it. We're going to hear from the Biden. Uh, we're going to hear from Biden himself, not the Biden administration. Plus, Senator Chris Murphy actually takes to the Senate floor and says some things that need to be said. An official in Arizona called Trump unhinged. Trump dropped another conspiracy theory over the weekend about the audit in Maricopa County. Plus, uh, the surveyors, I haven't even had a chance to listen to it. We're going we're to hear from them here in a little bit. They had a press conference this afternoon to call out the Republican Senate in Arizona and their batshit crazy election audit. Plus, a Space Force commander has been removed for spouting off crazy conspiracies about Marxism. A UFC fighter dominated and then he dedicated his fight to the victims of Marxism. These people have gone nuts and speaking of going nuts, we're going to see Ricky Schroeder (laughs) flipping out. Plus a woman takes out a gas pump. Some crazy ass video. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's introduce our guest tonight. The... Salty Pastor Scott Williams and Scott, it's a pleasure to hey, have you John.
0: here.
2: Welcome. Thank you. I'm good to be here. Uh, I don't know if I should introduce myself or be ashamed of saying that I used to educate you, that I am one of your former educators. But I do admit to that for those people who are watching, and, and proudly so, that I did shape this, fun, uh, start to shape this young mind of mush and made it a little maybe mushier. You were actually one of my social studies teachers. Uh, Eighth grade, a very
1: pivotal time. So you did a fantastic job, I think.
2: I I would agree. I would agree. So So we did have a discussion that I should have taught you uh, uh, something uh, about a timeline uh, or time zones. You had not messed up time zones the other day and had to correct. So everything didn't stick.
1: Oh, when I was doing my 420 and we were celebrating 420 all across the country. I didn't know what the time zone was after uh, the California time. The specific time zone, as I like to call
2: it. Yes, yes. Which is now, and I corrected you, and you don't remember. No, I don't.
1: Well, that has something to do with, you know, my medicine. Why an (laughs) illusion?
2: Okay, so I I want you to explain to the people why you are salty. So Salty Pastor comes from uh, uh, the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is talking to his uh, apostles, his followers, and tells them that if salt, uh, tells them a parable about salt and says, you know, salt was very important in the first century. It preserved, it had flavor, uh, it was used for multiple things, but he said, you have the spice and it. it's no longer spicy, it's not worth anything. And Luke says, it's not worth being trampled under feet or be thrown to the manure, uh, so if it's not able to be even thrown to the manure, then it's not worth a shit. So I re, uh, reinterpret my own version of Luke saying that if salt loses its saltiness, you're not worth a shit. As a reminder to people on my podcast and people who follow me, that uh, sometimes you have to be a little spicy in tongue to advance the gospel. And for me, the gospel of the good news is peace and justice for not everybody, not only everybody, but our earth too.
1: But now that that hasn't been a message that has been well-received in the establishment Christian community now, has it?
2: Well, no, because uh, that is because it's normally controlled by white, cisgendered people who are you know, interpreting their own selves, as everybody does. We all interpret ourselves. In the if we don't, then it's just boring literature and not worth anything uh, for it to be meaningful for something today, we all interpret ourselves into it, but they interpret themselves into it in such a way that uh, is to maintain their power. Uh, Even if they have very little, even if they're, you know, at the head of a holler and have nothing, they can at least say, well, at least I'm better than X, Y, and Z. So it's interpreted from that uh, standpoint and perpetuates the superior, the the idea of white superiority and male superiority and all kinds of horrific things.
1: Well, see, that's one of the things I like to talk about on this show. Is like, um, it seems that right wingers really believe in a hierarchy as opposed to a democracy, and it really seems like religion lends itself well to the hierarchical hierarchical beliefs.
2: Why? Why do you subscribe to the religion that I'm so? It, it absolutely does, and I would like to say. Uh, I, I'm very much anti-religious too. I, I, every time religion is done, it's done from a perspective and very damaging. I like to prefer myself as a follower of Jesus who went to a temple, the, te- the temple, and threw, uh, smashed out tables and drove out people and said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all people. Uh, not not people who pray a certain way or do this a certain way, but for all of God's children. So, y- y- yeah, there's a difference between following the badass radical Jew Jesus and uh, following a prescribed set of rules that are set out to to keep hierarchy to keep people in power, whereas the actual message of Jesus is quite the difference. It's to break down uh, power structures and to remind people that that we're all equal.
1: Well, so you, you bring up an excellent point. The message of Jesus is to break down power structures. So why do power structures continually form? around that
0: mythology
2: i think it goes back to constantine who probably first used it most brilliantly to adapt it for his own power uh, or you know the, if you read the gospel it's very anti-rome but all of a sudden it takes this very roman-esque feel even if you walk into a church building today even the most um, evangelical worship to the most Catholic form of worship. It, there's a lot of elements we do that really aren't scriptural at all. They're right from ripped from the Roman empire and what was happening actually in the Roman court and not what was happening in religion. So uh, it, it was, it, you know, it was a, from its early inception, it was uh, the powers that be saw it as a great way to take it and make it into um, something to control the masses. Mm-hmm. And I think it even begins before Constantine, because we talk about Paul as the sacred text, but Paul isn't Jesus. Paul's writing post-Jesus, and Paul is writing a very Roman citizen perspective of Jesus. So that's why Paul's even different from the actual message. So you know, it even begins, perhaps even with Paul. And even, I'll go back further one one more step and say even Jesus himself, because Jesus never gives us a direct answer. He loves to teach in a lesson leaves us all saying, you now what the fuck was that
1: Okay, so let's let's relate it to <laughs> modern politics because you know that's what we talk about here on this show. Yes, has it disheartened you to see the way the evangelical movement coalesced around you know Donald
2: Trump? No, because it doesn't surprise me. Um, it doesn't dishearten me because they're doing what they do. I grew up in a very um, evangelical church and with these uh, notions too, and. Was very rooted in it as well, so it doesn't surprise me, nor does it sadden me. In the fact that, why should I be sad at somebody who's continually doing exactly what they've proven themselves to be? Uh, it saddens me in the fact that for a long time we've taken the message of Jesus and twisted it, and so, and people are twisting it so hard to, uh, with the whole Donald Trump is to make it to make themselves. It's like they like pain. They're 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 going against their will to make this person fit into this mold so they can praise him and call it biblical. So they can have more pain, I guess, have more unemployment and more uh, separation of races and more uh, heartache. So it's baffling.
1: Well, see, I look at it like a a cognitive dissonance and they use religion as a crutch to be able to justify their beliefs. Like I I don't understand. And this is, this is one of the things that I've come back to you. Uh, with you constantly. Like, why do you want to keep upholding the system of, of these traditions, of this mythology, when it's
2: been twisted in so many different ways? Well, I guess it's the same reason why we still go back to any good literature. It's it's good literature that teaches us about how people at a specific time and place were struggling with their own understanding of what was divine or what was larger than them. And and you know it's the same reason why it's, it would be a shame to get rid of uh, something that is that that can be interpreted in a better way uh, that is has a long tradition on it. I think there's something to be said about standing on the foundation or the roots of things. But the problem becomes when we the roots become more important than the branches that come after it. Uh, you know, so people and, and then you just end up with a dead tree with roots. So. So it, I think people do get cut off in the story. And I, I see what you're saying. Why not just abandon it all? And maybe the, my, be, my best answer for me is just because it's ingrained in me. The storytelling is ingrained into me. Um, I fell in love with the stories and what they meant and what they could mean and what they could uh, also mean for others. So uh, for me, it's just uh, something that was in, in me that I, I can't divorce myself from.
1: Loblo, uh brings up a point about like polytheism versus monotheism. What, what's your thoughts on polytheism, Art? Do you believe that there are other gods in the pantheon of gods?
2: Uh, well, my own personal belief is a one god, but it doesn't necessarily preclude multiple gods. In that I just perceive God as a single entity, but I don't. But I say that, and so does some, you know, traditional Jew, Christian, Muslim. But we also then will think of God in many aspects, and so it may be just parsing terms, and it's just that I'm comfortable with the idea, because this is what way we've always talked about God as one God. But I, there's no, I also see nothing wrong with the idea of seeing these individual, you know, what I would say is individual aspects of God, which you would say is multiple gods. Yeah, like um, I think I learned in a a
1: um, historical Jesus class, perhaps. I I might be misattributing this, it's been a long time since I've been in school, that like Jewish people were actually polytheistic, that, you know, Genova, Elohim, uh, Yahweh were different names for God as opposed to... In
2: in ancient Israel, when when God said, um, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one God, God was saying, I'm your God. Out of all these gods, I'm your God, you're my people. And, you know, Elohim means gods, actually, when we when you read your first chapter of Genesis, and you start reading in English, the the actual Hebrew translation would be "Gods," and uh, when we began creating, uh, Christians try to read Jesus back into it, but the word is a plural "Elohims." So, yeah, there was a, a belief even after they believed in Yahweh of different gods, but Yahweh was one God and was their God and their, their God alone. So it was a, <laughs> to be exclusive from the other gods.
1: So now you bring up Israel. We've we've got some some shit popping off, as the kids say. I heard about that. <laughs> so now I've I kind of gave a very coarse overview last week about why the Christians in America are kind of on the side of the far right in Israel for the reason of bringing Jesus back.
2: Yes. Yes. From that one world government that they despise. They want Jesus to come back and establish that one world government. So yeah, give us some perspective on that.
1: What are your feelings on how, how things are going in Israel and the way we perceive it here in the U.S.?
2: I think that it's tragic and awful. Uh, I think that especially for people who have been, um, ostracized and marginalized and have been literally kicked out of countries will spend so much time and effort doing the exact same thing for the exact same reason to somebody else. And that is they're of a different ethnic and or religious group. It's mind boggling to me, uh, just to start with, uh, the connection with, you know, we have to have Israel there, so they can rebuild the temple, so the temple can be rebuilt, so Jesus can come back, and Jesus can come back to make everything great, and have this one world government, is a one way of interpreting scripture that leaves us
3: completely
2: off the hook. We can let the world go to hell in a handbag, we can say, all right, great, I'm going to be better than them, when it all comes to conclusion, I'm going to be good, and save, and they're not, and it just leaves people, humanity off the, the hook completely, and it's a tragic misunderstanding of the scripture. But, um, so you, they, don't, like, you <laughs> don't like the
1: literal, like, the hill of Megiddo, all that bullshit, right? You don't, the literal interpretation.
2: John, the gospel, or the revelation of John in my head has already happened to Nero, but it could be still read today because it's re- repetitive, that it's this idea that things get bad and then things get better. And then it repeats the story again. All hell breaks loose and evil turns loose and then justice and peace prevail. So to me, it's just the circular story of this is history. This is how you dumbasses keep repeating yourself is you know, over and over and over. And instead of waiting for the, the second and coming of Jesus, people de- should be the Jesus here and now. They should be the embodiment of what the Christ was meant to be, which is serving their fellow human instead of waiting for somebody to float back from the air.
1: Yeah, give, us, give us a good perspective of what Christianity is actually supposed to or what it actually means in your eyes.
2: Uh, Christianity is this idea that, you know, it's funny because I was talking a little bit about this today. It goes way back to how we continually misinterpret. If you read the scripture, we often refer to I, I, my personal relationship with Jesus, me, 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 and Jesus, I, I. And almost everything's written in this corporate we, as we say in the South, y'all. It's all this y'all. And it's a message to community. It's a message to remember that we are connected. The person who who's on the side of the road with a flat tire who needs a change, is isn't somebody's daughter. It's not somebody's girlfriend. It's we. It's me being affected by driving on by as well as that person being affected, That where we forget that we are all connected. And it's a message of reconnecting, and it's a message of doing it through peace and love and, and justice and li- lifting up the marginalized and leve- leveling the playing field. It's an interesting story if you read uh, it's in a certain context like I do that starts out with uh, on one hand, with God chasing humanity, and it's all the way through. It's this concept of God's chasing people, and the reason why God's chasing people is to unite people to realize that there's the God in everybody. There's God in me. There's God in you. We're all made in the image of God. You see, I'm rambling. Like,
1: <laughs> that's the that's the uh, like the Einstein kind of conception of God. That like everything in the totality of all the universe, everything is God.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's an idea of pantheism. I don't know if I would put myself into that um, category. Uh, I, know I, can, I can hear some of my Vanderbilt professors being very upset with me right now about uh, Theology One or something, but uh, I, I know it seems like contradictory, but I, in a way, I don't feel like I'm pantheist, but at the same time, I would say, yes, God in essence is in everything, but yet God is still one. When everything comes back together, that is God. If we could all all unite we we would discover what God is because we would be and it would be and we would be.
1: You you have totally won the chat over. By the way, but before we go any further, we're gonna we're gonna play some some evangelicals, the perverse version of Christianity. I'm gonna get your reaction to it. Before we go any further, let everybody know like where they can find you on social media. Uh tell them about your podcast.
2: I'll give it to you real easy because you can find the podcast, the YouTube video, where to follow me on social media, blah, 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 my book, all that other stuff. Just go to the salty T H E S A L T Y P A S T O R.org. And it's all on there.
1: I'll to that. I see that. Now, are you excited? I picked out some of the biggest names in the evangelical movement to play you video of. To get your reaction right. to. Now, are you familiar with any of these people?
2: Uh, well, it depends on who they are, whether I'm familiar with them or not.
1: Like, uh, let's say, like, John Hagee or Kenneth Copeland, yes. Robert Jeffries. Yes,
2: yes. Okay. Yes, I am, okay. I am familiar with them, Yes.
1: I, I picked some of their most outrageous clips, by the way. Now, how much of this, as we're getting ready to play these clips, how much of this is these people trying to get attention?
2: A lot of it is, w- w- without even knowing what's going to be said, is, is trying to, to promote themselves and sell something in my imagination.
1: Oh, uh, well, I, I pick political topics.
2: Oh, okay. For, for, have you had your vaccination yet? Have uh, I? Yes, both doses. Oh, so you're a fully vaccinated individual. Fully well, vaccinated, and proudly so.
1: Well, now, some pastors have an issue with vaccinations. Are you aware of
2: this? Uh, I've heard about, yes, yes.
1: Uh, Kurt Landry says the coronavirus vaccine is from the pit of hell. Are you ready for this? Okay. So coming to us from Right Wing Watch, they do a
4: fantastic job. I'm telling you right now, do not pray, do not hope, do not think, oh, praise God, they're gonna have a vaccine. That vaccine is from the pit of hell, okay? Do not pray for those vaccines and do not take the vaccine. These vaccines are coming, they're not gonna be good. They're not good for you physically and spiritually. They're a setup for what shall come later this is the first step. This is not the mark of the beast. This is not the ID chip. But what will happen with this, and this is the order I believe it will happen in, is they're going to bring this next vaccine and they're going to mark, not in the, in the hand and the forehead, but on a they're going to have a computer record of everybody who does take the vaccine. Well, yeah. But more importantly, they're going to take the ones that do not. And basically the ones that won't take the vaccine will be the Jews and the Christians, because we have religious issues to not take it. And so what a way to kind of gather those names up and gather those people up. And so then when it does come time for the mark of beast to trade and sell, those that in order to get the mark of the beast, what will happen is in order to for them to put the chip in, you're going to have to have proof of verification that you've had these vaccines. And then if you won't take the vaccines, then you don't get the mark. You can kind of figure out where that goes. All this is premature. I'm not trying to scare you, but I have to tell you right now, this is where it's going.
1: Okay, okay, if he's not trying to scare us, what is he trying to do?
2: Well, uh, first of all, let me say, thank God I'll be able to go grocery shopping with my Mark of the Beast because I've been vaccinated. So that I'm very grateful for. Uh, what What was the question? I I don't even remember what your question was to me. No, no, no. I
1: just, I, I just, well, first of all, is the Mark of the Beast an actual literal thing? No. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of revelations have been completely misinterpreted,
2: correct? I mean, the whole thing is, is, first of all, it's apocryphal literature. So people try to go to, it's like reading Little Red Riding Hood and thinking it's a novel. You have to go into a piece of literature knowing what type of literature it is and understanding this is how it's supposed to be read. So, so no, there is no 666 actual mark. Nobody's going to walk around and end time with any, any, no. No, is about my best answer and and i could go on you know we could talk in, in depth about what it is i just don't have time for that but i, I what <laughs> the guy has got got going on here what he's trying to accomplish is is i don't know it's a really good question uh, fear um mm-hmm. and fear leads to people continuing to tune in and and to stay with and to join up and to and if you create a fear or if you create a sin then you have to have a solution and then if you have that solution you can get people to come and follow you and or buy something or give you fame or whatever it is that the person is looking for so i, I i'm not sure what this specific guy is looking for but he is peddling fear and then telling you but fear not uh, and i like the idea that the the um vaccine comes from the pit of hell because of course they would think that they think science comes from the pit of hell they don't understand that science and faith can go hand in hand so anything that science must be from the pit of hell so there's no theology to support anything he said right well of course i mean there is a theology because theology is just this idea uh, is the study of god so uh, yeah you could bring yourself into any text i i could I'm out here uh, after a little bit of study and some and some time, Justin, and read you Little Red Riding Hood and swear up and down and teach you and and make a good claim that Little Red Riding Hood is about growing or harvesting clams. And you'd be like, what the hell is this guy smoking? But it, it, you take theology and do anything with it, so yeah, there is a theology to it. Is there a good theology to it? I would argue, no. A good theology is something that is. Healthy that brings life that doesn't bring Destruction and spreading an idea That can literally kill people uh, Thousands and millions of people Is not a life giving thing Especially for people who are Often pro-life
1: Seriously it it boggles my mind So are you ready to move on to Dr. Robert Jeffries
2: Yes let's do it
1: Well
5: free speech
1: So he was was on Lou Dobbs tonight I believe Lou has been Canceled now (laughs) <laughs> so he was on Fox
5: News with Lou Dobbs tonight. And and religious liberty are both under attack in Washington. So
1: Jeffries is from uh, Liberty, liberty University. Washington are you familiar uh, with it? Warnings to his
6: congregation. And once you allow the government to start controlling speech, it's not a very long trip to the persecution of the church at all. And we need to get ready for it. It is coming.
5: it's coming it may in some cases be here and joining us tonight Pastor Robert Jeffress.
2: do you yes.
1: think Lou Dobbs is intoxicated or do you not want to do you not want to touch that
2: well, if weather As are not I could care less but uh, I'm confused by him saying that the church might be prosecuted because I thought that they were already running around saying that per- church is being persecuted excuse me so is it's it going always- to be or is it currently being? It's
1: almost like they're talking out of both
2: sides of their asses.
0: Yeah.
2: It, it's right, got to always keep, keep on the verge. So if it's on the verge, it's a, it's an emergency. It's almost coming. It's coming. It's coming. Emergency. Well,
1: the, yeah. See, if they tell you it's already here, there's no there's nothing you can do. There's no reason to put money in the in the offering plate, right? But if it's on right. the verge, you can you or can to tune in
2: or to whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Exactly. All right. Let's let's hear from. Him. Maybe he will elaborate on this.
2: I hope so.
5: Sure issued that warning he runs the first baptist church of dallas he's also a fox business contributor and a great american uh, the pastor of uh, dallas okay
1: okay okay i I hate to keep pausing it fox news business contributor what does does it strike you as odd that a man of the cloth is a business contributor because i i've read enough
2: of the bible to think that that's kind of contradictory should be fair, to run something as big as First Baptist in Dallas would take some business sense. So, I guess in that aspect, he would be a, a businessman. He's selling religion, sure, and and fairly successfully.
1: But now, does, doesn't the Bible make it
2: like very clear about people that are you know uh, rich? Well, what does the Bible or Scripture have to do with anything? I mean, it it's only literal and 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 important if it. If it matches my view right if it's something else then i can twist it and say well you know it says that eye of the needle so if you get down and you humble yourself and you can crawl through you can still get there. i mean you'll twist yourself into a pretzel to make it the opposite way so so yeah I, I, arguing scripture with somebody that twists scripture the first thing they'll say is you're twisting scripture even satan can can interpret scripture without even realizing that's exactly what they're doing so yeah, the, the Bible is full of instances of, and I don't remember uh, any instance of Jesus being wealthy. Though Jesus has some wealthy friends, we know he's taken good care of by Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who are very uh, wealthy, and Lydia, and and uh, most of them female, by the way, who t- take care of them. So it, wealth isn't the issue; it's the, the it's this disgusting overabundance of wealth at the uh, at the um, at the at the uh, mercy of of others getting that getting all you can to, by stepping on others to do it
1: speaking of which what's your what's your thoughts on taxing churches
2: uh i think that if, if i think they should be taxed to, to put, it, put it easily but it's it's a difficult for me to say that because then it bites double bites me uh p- people like me aren't Joel Olstein? I, I, I don't make millions and billions of dollars. And, you know, the money I make is, uh, people are like, well, aren't you two selling the gospel? Well, I think what I'm selling is my scholarly education that I had. I have a master's degree from Vanderbilt University. I'm very proud of, of the education I have there. And my interpretation is no different than, you know, Dustin sells himself and what he has to offer as well. But, when you're taking a gross amount and you're doing it with a harmful thing, you know, I'm going to sell you this piece of cloth, or, or, or if you call and donate five bucks, I'll pray. And you're going to get miraculously better. It's, it's selling things, uh, selling a lie, selling something that's not life giving.
4: Okay. Okay. All right.
5: All right. Let's hear him out here. I've, I've, I've stopped it a few times. Baptist church, pastor Robert Jeffers. Good to have you with us. And your warning, I think uh, was both timely and, uh, and absolutely correct. Uh, this is a nation right now on the precipice. And I think most Americans understand that, whether it's Twitter uh, banning a president, uh, a shadow banning uh, thousands of Americans, principally because of their political views. He's drunk though, isn't he? Big tech silencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're the high too. nation. Uh, in, with their hey, nothing wrong with that. With their I'm not high enough for this yet. Values. It, it, these were tough times.
6: They are, Lou, and look, we can sit around in a circle and sing kumbaya and talk about unity all we want to, but as long as the Biden administration continues to push this hard left agenda down the throats of Americans, there's not going to be any unity. I mean, we saw it this week. Biden signed an executive order that would force schools to allow a 16-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl to share the locker room, the bathroom, the shower with your 13-year-old daughter. That's insanity, but that's what the Biden administration Administration is up to, and they are going to absolutely try to silence anybody who doesn't go along with that agenda. If you don't believe that, just ask the little sisters of the poor. People forget before Donald Trump came into office that Joe Biden and Barack Obama were suing these poor Catholic nuns. Trump put a stop to it, but now that he's gone, expect that kind of persecution to resume and intensify.
5: Well, we're you know the uh, you, you referred to a a, a, a kumbaya circle. Uh, the fact is, a circle is jerk. to be something right.
2: That's what kind of circle is he talking about?
5: Who steps in. Some use those. And
2: I'm thinking about all the, the faster than isn't there a major problem in, in the in his current denomination with molestation of children, and he's uh, terrified of a trans person taking a pee next to his daughter. I would say, I would welcome the trans person to take a pee next to my daughter. I'm not sure I'd want my daughter in to Sunday school class.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's refreshing to hear a Reverend say that.
5: And others, uh, but the fact <laughs> is, this is a, a president who means to reverse uh, everything that Donald Trump did uh, in, in terms of both policy and, and direction of the country. And right now, every poll, every major poll that we have seen. Sisters uh, of the Corn? Is that. This Friday
1: after inauguration. Scott, are you familiar with the group he mentioned, the nuns that uh, the Obama administration was suing? Yeah, I'm not either.
5: Mm -hmm. Tone's called them Sisters of the Corn. (laughs) Says the country is headed in the wrong direction. Uh,. The Church has become somewhat ambiguous at least in uh, in recent days after the election, uh, in its direction, its leadership, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, were it not for you, uh, we would not we wouldn't have a very good sense of what is happening uh, in the uh, evangelical church in, in this country um, and we want to I think so I giving, think he is Catholic. Um, giving those uh, evangelicals voice. Uh, here on this broadcast, uh, are we but for the purposes Steve of being Anonymous on Fox better.
1: Propaganda Network? I don't
5: mean just in talk, he's whatever is sucking Trump's dick. in their communities.
6: Yes, sir. I think you're going to. And the good news is, God is on our side. And as the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I, did, why would, Scott,
1: that's some
2: Nazi shit, isn't it? Well. I always find it if you read through the Old testament too you'll notice that everybody that is Israel's enemy is God's enemy it's always miraculous that way that God is on our side you know it's it's it happens even in, in text in, in the scripture how do we we you know the, we go through and we slaughter all of these places so we can have this homeland but we did so because they were God's enemies and why how do we prove we're, they're God's enemies because we win I mean it's it's this circular, notion that we won, God must be on our side it's what sent us raping across the continent from the east coast to the west coast because God was on our side to go east coast to west coast manifest destiny so it's this whole idea of if I can do all kinds of things as long as I proclaim that God is on my side it's just a just hard enough I can find a scripture to to, to fit it too
1: exactly right, let's go on this is Pastor John Hagee are you familiar with Hagee? This must
2: be end times.
1: <clears throat> uh, we're actually we're going to be talking about welfare recipients in this one. Oh, this I, isn't the sign of the end times, maybe. I I thought about pulling one of his. He's had multiple predictions about when the world was going to
2: end. Correct? Yeah, uh, multiple. Yeah,
1: that's his that's his claim to fame. Now this is he's maybe. bitching about nasty welfare recipients because that's what Jesus would do, right? Bitch about nad- nasty welfare recipient.
2: Well, uh, I, I, my mind automatically goes to the scripture where he's, there's five thousand people and Jesus is yakking and teaching, and the apostles say, "There's five thousand people here. It's lunchtime. They're hungry." And Jesus' response isn't to do the fish and the loaves. so he that comes later. But we forget the first part. He says, "Is you feed them, you feed them." That's the message of Jesus. Don't depend on me. Don't depend on this. So, so yeah, they they. Take the message of Jesus where he's telling us all, we're all responsible for making sure everybody gets fed. He's saying, oh, welfare recipients are bad. They shouldn't be fed or have housing.
0: Oh, wow. I
1: didn't
7: know that. Thank you. Fantastic insight. America has a dependent state. Listen to this. America has a dependent state the size of Spain living on our welfare. Think about that. We have a division in our country that cannot long endure. Those who pay through taxes and those who get a free ride. This is not justice, and this is not the American way, and this is not how we became great. We became great by every American getting off his
2: duff, getting himself a job, and making his life... preaching sitting down?
1: Yes, he's preaching sitting down. Saying people
2: need to get off their duff. Preaching sitting down yes in a very that chair is at least $1000 i People need to him. get up off their duff but he can't even stand up to preach his name.
1: Okay this, go ahead and this was like 2013
7: 2014 On
2: his own efforts i like how they lap it up
7: to those of you who are sick To those of you who are elderly, to those of you who are disabled, we We gladly gladly support you. Gladly. You just got to jump through a bunch of hoops. To the healthy who can't work but won't work, get your nasty self off the couch and go get a job. Wow. America has rewarded laziness and we've called it welfare. The Bible says, "The man that does not work should not eat." I know. Is that actually a verse?
2: I don't think it is. Is it? Uh it—he's it, taking something out of context. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't even like. I didn't even think anything like liked in, that was in
8: there.
2: In context, it, it, let me let me give, give the audience context because you can pull. Yes, it says that, but it's out of context. It's this idea of when Jesus sends the, the apostles, 12, let's not talk about you and me. And when he sends the original apostles out to go spread the gospel, he's telling them, don't depend on it, people just to feed you. Work and make your own way too. So, he was, so this is actually talking about preachers, like the one you got on the screen, not to suck off the tea to people, to, to, to work. So those who, do, who don't work, don't eat. He's talking to the apostles before he sends them out work while you spread the gospel work while you serve others and make your own way. So, yeah, it's interesting that yes, this is much. Yes, Justin, that is in the Bible, but it's interesting that he doesn't put it in context because it would be a little warm for him perhaps to handle.
1: Indeed. Indeed. All right. So now uh, we're going on to Kenneth Copeland. This is one of his most famous clips uh, this was about this time last year, where he tried to put a voodoo spell on COVID-19. Are you ready for this one?
2: Uh, yes, I think I've seen this one.
0: Because we, in have, the name of Jesus, oh, thank you, Jesus, standing in the office of the Prophet of God. I execute judgment on you, COVID-19 I execute judgment on you, Satan You destroyer, you killer You get out, you break your power You get off this nation I demand judgment on you I demand, I demand I demand a vaccination to come immediately Yes
2: Well he's he's doing what, you know, American salesmen and have done for years. I, I think the sad part though, Justin, is the fact is is not these people who are doing this. It's the sad thing to me is is the people that are bamboozled, the people that are harmed by it because they think that I don't need to wear a mask, God will save me, or I don't need a vaccine because God will save me. And it's it's doing real damage. I mean, it is funny, but it's it's heartbreaking and sad because these are human beings who are doing real damage to themselves and the community and instead of bringing humanity together which is the point of the gospel it's continuing to fracture it just so people can perpetuate this nonsense so well i'll give copeland
1: credit he said he was praying for a vaccine so well least, that's true but does he, they, this back time. Out they don't get it Probably, who knows? Yeah. As we we we've seen multiple times now, just talking out of both sides of their asses. But at least at this time, he was happy for a vaccine. <laughs> what a face! All right, talk about speaking in tongues. Where does that even come from?
2: Uh, again, that's in the Acts, where the apostles are uh, invested by and in, in by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and fills them up and then they go out and preach. <clears throat> they go out and preach, and everybody can hear them in their own language. It's this miraculous thing that is not uh, tongues like gibberish that people don't understand. It was this idea that they miraculously had an ability to communicate uh, and, and like, preach, and then that person could hear it in their own language, which seems a little weird and psychedelic in its own right, but if you take the story and, uh, and understand what it's the message is, it's again this unity. It's going back to the gospel is should be transcultural. It should be able to be translated into to every language, the idea of love and compassion and humanity. So this is what this this speaking in tongues is trying to convey, but they've taken it to show that it's some spiritual gift that makes them superior to another and that only angels can understand. And, you know, what good is it if, if humans can't understand it? What, how it's not edifying anybody doesn't lift anybody up, doesn't educate us about anything. So all it is, is showiness.
1: That's what I was getting ready to say. It's just part of the production now, isn't it? Part
2: of the theatrics of church. Well, I, I don't want to lay that on, on, on him perhaps, but I would say in general, yeah, that's, that's, theatrics it tunes people in did you like
1: okay the first time i was ever around anybody that spoke in tongues and nobody told me they took me to a church where it happened and i was not aware before that like i'm i'm 16 17 at this time so after you knew me so you can imagine what my reaction was like i'm like dying laughing as people are throwing themselves in the I, I can imagine
2: yes yes
1: did you ever have any any kind of situation like that
2: uh no for me personally have i ever felt that no but you, have you've
1: been somewhere in customs just kind of took you aback
2: oh of course yeah
6: certainly. you weren't I prepared mean,
2: for it but, and right rightfully so i hope everybody has it's sad that people if you haven't because everybody should be in a situation they've never been in before and it'll makes them uncomfortable whether it's a positive or a negative situation It's how we learn about each other so yeah i've I've been, I've been in a church uh, that spoke in tongues, but I was not, no, knew going in, but I guess still wasn't prepared. And yeah, it threw me back a, a little bit. It didn't throw me back, slay me in the spirit, throw me back. But yeah, yes, that's happened. But um, again, I think everybody should do it. And not to go and make fun, but just to experience if it's different than your culture, different than your understanding. Why not?
1: Well, I mean, I wasn't mocking anybody else's culture. This is a bunch of, like, rednecks from the head of a holler, just like me. Like,
2: Which is their culture. Hey, yeah, you know, yeah. rednecks from the head of the holler also bring out snakes. Did you, did you go to a snake handling church?
1: There was one on my holler. I never went to a snake handling church. Have you yeah. had any experience with snakes? No, handling?
2: that's where I draw the line. If I know there's going to be a snake involved. Out. Well, now you're originally from up north. Is that a thing up there? Or is that more of a southern thing? That's a southern, that's not only more of a southern thing, that's a southern Appalachian.
1: So it's specifically the Appalachian region.
2: Yeah. Do you know about the
1: history? How'd that get, how'd that get here?
2: Uh, You know, I could make up something real good that would sound like it and you'd buy it, uh, but I would be ashamed to do so. I I remember learning about this. I remember being in in, um, History of American Religion class, which... I will divest and do a very political thing and tell you something to know about instead of something I don't, which is inter- I think is interesting is it's snake handling is very uh, much a very American thing. I love to, uh, when you set denominations and their history into American history, it's fascinating. And then you're like, oh, of course this makes sense. Uh, but I do know that it comes from uh, the Appalachian region. And I do know it comes from the end of the Gospel of Mark which is a tacked on verse which is probably an editor's note uh, no real scholarship even some more conservative ones believe that's an actual part of the original mark gospel uh probably because they're uncomfortable with it so they're quick to be with agree with scholars yeah that is crazy it shouldn't be in there but um it's taken from that end of, of mark and why it gets so big in appalachian i i don't know i
1: do you think it has something like there's a lot of snakes? There's a lot of green snakes, garden snakes, black snakes that are harmless. Yeah, but
2: there's there, there there's there's a lot of snakes in other places too, but yeah, probably more, more so. You do run into in Kentucky more snakes that are going to be uh, harmless than you would, like if you're out in the desert, you run into a snake, you're probably not going to be like, oh, it's that's a harmless snake. So yeah, you, that, that, I think that could be part of it. But again, I would just be making it up. I would have to go back and I'm sorry to put you
1: on the spot. That was just, like, off the top of my head. I'm like, that's an interesting question. I'm going to ask that.
2: Uh, And I'm tempted just to make up shit because it can sound really good, but I I really... Someday someday somebody's going to play this video back and and remind me, you said this. So,
1: So like, Ireland, they had, like, a thing about driving out the snakes, and, like, Appalachian people, there's a lot of Irish descent there. So I wonder if that maybe ties into it.
2: I... I... That could say, definitely be, but that's even a misunderstanding because the driving out of the snakes was the driving out of the the uh, um, the Catholics driving out the the the, 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 the uh, Celts and the the non-Christian people out of out of of um, Ireland, which they didn't do a good job of, but they like to say they you know, drove them out. So there was oh, no shit. snakes. The, the snakes yeah, were did. the. It's, well, like, it's like My entire understanding Gretel, you know, of the,
1: that came from The Simpsons, so that's why I did not know that.
2: It, it's like Hansel and Gretel, you know, the, 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 uh, our, uh, the little old witch in, in, the, in the woods uh, in Grimm's is anti-Semitic. It's about a nasty Jewish woman. So, yeah, it's interesting when you put things actually back into the context of their history when they're written or when they occur, and then it's like, oh, this is a whole different story than I ever imagined. So you're scripture. Sure.
1: You're you're getting rave reviews in the chat and like they don't even know that I've saved the best clip for here in just a little bit I cannot wait for you to watch my favorite pastor
2: okay Uh-oh.
1: let's do this all right yeah let's get let's get back to Kenneth Copeland here
0: you from your anyway. place of authority, destroyer, you come down and you crawl on your oh, belly like God commanded you when he put his... kinky. ...on your head in the Garden of Eden.
2: Well, you know, evangelicals are often you very one-minded and very... Through COVID-19. mind mine on, on sex constantly. Everything has to be with sex, so... It, it could be sexual. It could be kinky.
0: Finished.
1: Finished. Now, I will actually admit he is an incredibly charismatic speaker. I like him. I like listening to him talk. Absolutely, yeah. As, who Who is your favorite of the of the ones that we've watched this far to,
2: to listen to? Yeah. Uh, perhaps because it's to me the worst for me for me the worst. Uh, Haggy Haggy is okay. like this. All, uh, yeah. He's the most perhaps entertaining to watch. I don't know. No, he doesn't have the bizars of Copeland.
0: Copeland's good.
2: Benny Hinn, what about Benny Hinn?
0: Oh, Benny Hinn, Hinn was hilarious. And the United States of America is healed. Thank you, and well Thank you again. That praise. saith the mighty. Hallelujah. Glory.
2: Who's who's the guy in the video with him? Is that awesome. Steve Doocy? Because that looks like Steve Doocy. <laughs> I know who Steve Doocy is. I don't know. Who I know is. that's not Steve Doocy from Fox News, but it looks like Steve Doocy. Lord Christ. Jesus
1: Christ. Okay, so like I'm assuming he's his hype man, right? Do you know anything about rap music? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like you've got a hype man in the background, right? Like uh, this is the Kenneth Copeland's hype man. These guys are yeah. OG. All right, do you know who Josh Furaston is? This is a new one. Okay, he, you, he is best known for the Starbucks cup controversy.
9: Uh. He is tell me that I was an idiot, moronic, and stupid for believing in God that he created this world because it took way too much faith to believe in a process like that while he believed in what he called the science of evolution. Well, let's go ahead and let's do this. Dear Mr. Atheist, first of all, let me correct you because evolution is not a science. Never. He's wagging has, his finger at did. me. Why? Because it cannot fit within the parameters and parentheses of science for one simple reason it was never observed. That's why it's not science. That's why it's called the. I, I don't think
1: he knows what science of is.
9: Evolution. One man's. Theory. Now let me show you how much faith it really takes to believe in evolution. You want me to believe that in some accidental cosmic bank, that out of that was created one cell, and from that one cell, that all life springs—every plant, every animal, every single human being—and that somewhere along the way, over years and years, we mysteriously and magically all develop different wills, and we all develop different characteristics and traits, all because we willed it in our. I mean, you really think that every?
1: No, that, that's came not how evolution single works.
9: Single cell. How much? faith does that take? Now, I realize that you say that evolution is in science. And yet, if we go back to science, the one thing that science demands, if you maybe you've heard of something called the law of thermodynamics, which means that chaos can never produce order. Look at the world that we live in. The sun goes up, the moon comes out. We travel around the sun. We have years, we have days, we have seasons. The tide comes in and out. Everything works like a clock. It has order. And yet you cannot argue that a world that has order came out of an accident because it defies the very logic and laws of science. You see, you think it takes a lot of of faith for me to believe in a God that created this world, a God that created order. And yet, what if I were to tell you that somewhere in Oklahoma, a tornado, rolls through a junkyard full of a bunch of old cars and and somewhere on the other side of that tornado out of that junk pile it magically produces a perfectly red shiny working Lamborghini. You would tell me I was nuts. You would tell me that I had lost it. You would probably try to admit me into the psychiatric ward. Why? Because that is absolutely stupid. I mean how much faith would it really take to believe something as idiotic as that? And yet that's exactly what science believes. Science believes that in this accident came this perfectly working earth with human life and with people and animals and plants and and seasons and days and hours and rotates. I mean, the atmosphere, everything in earth was created perfectly. And I'm telling you, that could never happen through an accident. It had to be by intelligent design. So dear Mr. Atheist, who really has to have a lot of faith today to believe in their theory? I believe in God because I've experienced him, I've felt him, but most of all, while driving through uh, Yellowstone and and Montana and so many of these natural reserves this week and looking at at life, I don't know, I just can't look at all of that creation and say that it it was an accident. I have to say that- Oh God, we
1: can't
2: do another like two minutes (laughs) of that. Okay. So let me say, I, I get it. I get it. I get the whole creationist. I get it. I get it. But what they're spending so much time on is to make this story, uh, uh, make it a Genesis, a book of science, and make it so fit into an, a literal story that they're missing all. The lessons. Like, screw any lesson I can get from this. I just, so what about the fact that God speaks, into existence something out of nothing instead of just thinking about what can that say to somebody who's marginalized how can that speak to somebody who's marginalized and speak life into their existence that that things can you can make a way out of no way at all instead it's no this is actually literally how the earth and then they get into arguments of who's right and who's wrong and and and, you know whose church is bigger blah, blah 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 it's ridiculous nonsense Oh my god's got the, the biggest dig first of all let's go ahead and. Like, well apparently that's what it is who you know who's got the biggest steeple but in, they're, they're missing the whole life-giving point of the stories because they're too arguing the, the, the details and i've heard it all before and it's easier to you know not the, the flunk biology and, and and believe something like that than it is to say what does the story mean how can it speak to me how can it speak to somebody who's hurting today so instead I of understand. In bringing life, it becomes this argument about these are seven days of creation.
1: I do. I find it really weird that, like, even the framing of it is like, "Dear Mister Atheist," a lot like it's so condescending from the beginning.
2: Yeah, and, and that's always a good way to con- convince people or convert people to your way of thinking.
1: Well, I mean, it is for me, but I'm a comedian. Like, they, they, sure. I, I know, I know, I know what you were doing there. I saw it coming a mile away.
2: But it's sad that, that, that uh, you, as somebody who would take a pastoral role that way, that is something is uh, you're not only teacher or preacher, you're pastor too, and you're supposed to shepherd in the true sense of the word. And uh, if you look at a Genesis and all that you can get out of it is this myth is literal and science is wrong, then you're kind of missing. the What, what point is the book again? It does, it does no good. It, bring, it breathes no life. Into humanity.
1: Now, have you have you ever heard of his band? Uh, They're called Limp Biscuit. Oh, he does look. Yes. Yes. Oh, so you have you have heard Limp Biscuit? Yes. Yes. You don't you don't do it for the nookie, do you? No. Okay. Okay. Just (laughs) just make sure. All right. Uh, Did you know who uh, Donald Trump's spiritual advisor was?
2: Uh, I know of her. I've seen some things about her, yes.
1: Uh, or for, for, for no, no. Yes. Okay, you're going to get a dose over here. I believe this was after the election.
10: and strike 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 strike, until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let. There be that. We would strike the ground for you will give us victory. God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. For I hear victory, 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 victory in the quarters of heaven. In the quarters of
2: heaven. I, I at first thought this might be skipping, but I, then I was like, oh, I should doing a doing a beat. Okay. Like a beatbox or some shit.
10: So she, she had
2: to go into the speaking in
10: tongues. For angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here.
2: Oh, this was, I remember seeing this now. That was The, the African slaves that were, or the, the African uh, uh, angels that were supposed to Come and, and save Donald Trump's election, wasn't it? Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. I, I, I want to say that maybe Biden hadn't been declared the victor yet. That this was in between election day and what, like yeah. the next Friday when Biden was declared, so like she didn't know and like was still holding out and like she's
2: praying hard. <laughs> well, then she could take credit if it, if it, if he somehow pulled it out. She could have said, you know this. It was the angel. Well, so do you? Do you have any thoughts on Paul White before we move on?
1: She's kind of basic, sure. isn't she? You can't worship
2: God and mamma. I don't know what that means. Can you elaborate? You Can't worship God and love of money. Oh, okay.
1: All right. So you feel like that's what she's out for?
2: Uh, I think that's that's how she appears to be out for. I can't. Again, what, what look at th- her. I don't. I don't know her. But I mean, that's what it appears to me is. Yes. What do you think about all the
1: religious people that pushed so hard for Trump in this past
2: election? What motivated uh, I think them? Same thing that often motivates them towards their theology. They're uh, they're sold a fear and sold a uh, 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 solution to the fear. Instead of the religion teaching them how to be a better person or how to love somebody who is difficult to love and all that, they, they it's a a uh, there's hell and, and hell is hot and the only way you can get to heaven is through here and it's rules and it's it's selling of rules instead of changing of hearts. So it, it matches their theology. Unfortunately, it's it's too many people in pulpits without. Proper education—it's—it's it's theology being spewed from too many pulpits that have uh, hurt people and destroyed the name of Jesus, perhaps almost irreputably. That's a—that's a wild <laughs> statement for a reverend to say. Well, I mean, look at a person like you who—who who even asked me the great question of how do you how can you keep coming back to the stories if they've been used so damaged. I mean, you're you're not alone in this. You're not some weird, uh, hot smoking hippie behind a microphone, and you actually speak for a lot of people who look. Well, well, yeah, you are, but I mean, you're more than that. <laughs> you speak for people who look a lot differently and believe a lot a lot differently too. Or like, why, why deal with this Jesus anymore? And it's it it's. Uh, uh, like I said, it could be you know almost irreputable. Uh, can it be pulled back? I mean, that's there's. People out there like me and a lot of my colleagues and friends, and there are some smaller denominations that are trying their best to to reimagine it, to do justice and love mercy, and to try to show people that there is a different message for, of Christ.
1: It seems like the church has been so unwilling to embrace uh, inclusivity. And also like inclusivity is shunned by the church because pastors like you have a hard time breaking through. Like you like that's one of the reasons why you're you're like venturing into the digital space right now, because you face resistance from mainstream Christians, correct?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um <clears throat> both within a great denomination and without and, and it was just a wrong wrong fit. Um, but there are still there are still some great groups out there. But yeah, you know, besides this, the job I have, the job any pastor has is a strange job. People are paying you to tell them things that they don't want to hear. And when you start telling them things they don't want to hear, then they fire you. I mean, one of the good ways or easier ways to be successful is to tell them what they want to hear and load up the, you know the pockets and be done with it. But that's not what a pastor is called to do. You hit on it. That's exactly what a lot of
1: these political... Like, they're they're, they're giving people what they want to hear, right? Oh. Oh, no. We might have lost the salty pastor. Shit, I should have went ahead and played the... I had one more clip I wanted to play before I was going to let him go. Nuts. Oh man, I'm I'm still gonna break it out. We might be able to get him back here. I really, really wanted to play this last clip. Well, maybe we'll have him on some other time because I, I had several clips. So I was gonna go ahead and jump to my favorite one i really really wanted to play for it his thoughts on do check out the salty pastor i believe he said it was the salty pastor.com just google the salty pastor i know it's at salty pastor on facebook and at pastor salty on twitter Or I might have that backwards, so just Google the Salty Pastor. Welcome Warlord, you just missed our special guest. Reverend Scott Williamson, the Salty Pastor. I really wanted to play him the clip of the butthole cancer. That was the last clip I had for him. Especially given the fact that... uh, Yeah, I really, I really, really wanted to play the butthole cancer clip for this Aldi pastor. (laughs) All right, let's do the news of the day. Starting off, Scott and I touched on this earlier because, of course, it's one of the biggest stories right now. Hamas, earlier this afternoon... An official from Hamas denied the group used the destroyed Gaza media tower for intelligence. I believe this happened on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Israeli government's claim that Hamas operated a military intelligence unit in a Gaza city building that housed the offices of the Associated Press and Al Jazeera is false. This is according to a Hamas official. The reporting coming to us from The Intercept. The Israeli military destroyed the Al Jala Towers after giving the journalists who worked there an hour to evacuate. I think it's funny. Totally not funny. It's ironic that they leveled a building that housed journalists. Of course, the target was news orgs. Hamas did not have any military or intelligence operations in Al Jala Tower, said Basim Naam, a Hamas official, who is the head of the Council on International Relations in Gaza. I Even if they were operating some kind of intelligence operation, I still think it's still a war crime to attack journalists. The Jerusalem Post, quoting an unnamed senior Israeli official, reported that Israel showed the United States smoking gun evidence. Yeah, we know about the United States and smoking guns. That Hamas's military operated an intelligence office in the building. However, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said today he had not seen any evidence and the White House declined to comment a briefing today. Biden did get confronted. We're going to hear what he had to say here in just a second. So we have video coming to us. Yeah. Holy fuck! It's not one to play or video.
8: No play! Stop!
5: Stop that! Stop that!
1: So these these are Jews for Palestine getting yelled at that they're not real Jews by right wingers.
0: You
8: have no to Palestine. So
1: look like Orthodox Jews, saying Israel has no right to Palestine. Free Palestine. The 40-second video posted to Public Freakout subreddit then cuts back across the street as viewers get a glimpse of the signs the Jews for Palestine are holding. London Belize can be seen in the foreground. Okay, so this happened in London. Of the video, talking to protesters on both sides as they try to de- de-escalate the situation. Zionists are Jews who believe the state of Israel is a Jewish homeland and its protection is crucial to Judaism as a whole. Opposing protesters in the video were Orthodox Jews and Palestinians, among other supporters of Palestine, looking to condemn Israel's violence against Orthodox Jews, condemning the violence. So this is a short clip, Biden being asked about the U.S.'s position on Palestine.
11: Mr. President, will you now insist upon a ceasefire given the escalation in violence we've seen over the weekend? i
5: I'll be speaking with the Prime Minister in an hour, and I'll be able to talk to you after that.
11: Do you still believe you've defended Israel's right to defend itself? Do you still believe its actions are
1: No, there you have it. That's actually the next clip I was going to play. Democratic senator calls out U.S. uh, role.
11: This is Senator Chris Murphy. Two issues of vital importance to the United States and the world. Uh, First, I want to say a few words about the current violence paralyzing Israel and the Palestinian territories. But then I want to spend the bulk of my remarks on the future of nuclear proliferation in the Middle East. First, here in America, uh, our hearts are breaking for Israelis and Palestinians. The images are just bone chilling. Rockets and interceptors streaking across the night sky. Parents huddled with their children as air raid sirens ring out. Tragic images of innocent Israeli and Palestinian civilians, including children injured or killed in the blasts. For many Americans who are turning on the news this week, it might appear that the events of the last few days erupted almost overnight and while tensions are yeah no no no. fever and deadly pitch this cataclysm has been long in the making and no party including the united states of america has completely clean hands zero-sum politics has driven i agree with you wholeheartedly making of the netanyahu government and palestinian leadership to the extent that there is such thing as
1: we all know there's there's no there, there is no
11: hiding what
1: they were doing when they attacked that target absolutely no no no
11: ap and al jazeera are there oh give me a break led us to this crisis over and over prime minister netanyahu has pushed israeli settlements further into territory historically considered reserved for a future palestinian state the israeli government increasingly reliant on right-wing zero-sum political constituencies for its survival, also stepped up campaigns to remove Palestinians from areas in East Jerusalem as a means to undermine the Palestinian claim to that section of the ancient city as the capital of a future state. The spark that lit the match of the existing conflagration was the Israeli effort to remove Palestinian families From their home. I'm so
1: glad he didn't say a visit
11: neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, removed. And replaced them with Israeli settlers. In February, an Israeli. Like I
1: like, I don't know if you guys realize how absolutely stunning it is that a US senator is saying this and talking like this. This would have never happened five, ten years ago. It would have been political suicide for any politician either side of the aisle to walk out and talk like this.
11: Ordered Palestinian families in that neighborhood to vacate their homes by May 2nd, or they would be forcibly removed. Protests began and spread to other cities in Israel with large Arab populations, while the Palestinian families awaited a final ruling from the Israeli Supreme Court. As these protests spread and grew in size, Israeli police adopted some tactics that we have seen on display here in the United States. An overly securitized approach that only escalated rather than diffused the tension. Those crackdowns led to more protests and more clashes in a cycle that continued and continued.
1: Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself?
11: Israeli security forces stormed Islam's third holiest site in Jerusalem during Ramadan prayers. Now, the Israelis contend that they were responding to rock throwing from Palestinians inside. The Palestinians argue that it was the other way around. But whatever happened...
1: We've seen the way the, the military backside, acts towards Palestinians.
11: ...30 Palestinians and 22 Israelis had been injured. The story of the Palestinians' conduct over the last decade is just as important in understanding the roots of the existing crisis. Fatah, the main political party representing... Exactly. rocks rock throwing at these the tanks. ...people that it represents. Rife with internal conflict and corruption, Fatah lost its mandate to govern Gaza in 2006 when... Hamas, an internationally recognized terrorist organization, beat Fatah in parliamentary elections there that year. Hamas refuses to recognize the right of Israel to exist and advocates for the armed rebellion of Palestinians against Israel. Fatah, under pressure from Hamas to take the more extreme position, spent most of the last decade refusing any and all chance to negotiate with the Israelis, preferring to sit on the sidelines and nurture grievances. And they were unable to deliver any real economic benefit to the people under their charge in the West Bank. And the resulting desperation of Palestinians fed this grievance culture even more.
1: Grievance culture.
11: In response to those events I mentioned at Al-Aqsa, Hamas and its allies in Gaza started firing rockets into southern and central Israel. Since that day, thousands of rockets have landed inside Israel. These rocket attacks were then responded to by an Israeli government that has begun its own assault inside Gaza. And it's illegitimate. Hundreds of Palestinians inside Gaza, including children, have been killed. And though there have not been as many casualties inside Israel because of the defense security relationship of the United States, Israelis have been killed.
1: I think I might have called it the steel curtain. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. It's actually the Iron Dome. Also, I said we give uh, over a billion dollars to Israel. I was wrong. My apologies on that. But I was wrong, like, conservatively. We give over $3 billion to Israel a year. I was wrong when I said we'd give over a billion dollars. I was upset over giving over a billion dollars to Israel. No, it's over $3 billion. We
11: give to Israel every year. The Israelis were wrong to pursue settlements and evictions as a deliberate means to undermine a future Palestinian. They were violating international These policies law. policies might have helped hold together Netanyahu's political coalition, but they helped feed a sense of hopelessness amongst Palestinians and their future. The Palestinian leadership was wrong to perpetuate an anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic narrative as a foundation of their hold on power. They were wrong to choose grievance over diplomacy.
1: Well, I mean, I can see where they're but, coming from there. Madam
11: President, The United States, over the last four years, we played a role too. President Trump rejected America's historic role as a broker for peace and reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians. He chose a side unconditionally, and his alliance with Netanyahu and his rejection of a Palestinian state drove the two parties further apart yep. and turned the temperature up. Ain't that the Trump truth. pursued a path to intentionally create division rather than healing. And those four years of America's absence from his traditional post of mediator is also a big reason of why we are here today. So there's going to be time to talk about the big picture, to talk about what went wrong, how American policy needs to change towards Israel and the West Bank and Gaza. But right now, our focus needs to be laser-like on de-escalation. On, a cease- on
1: de-escalation and then office, defunding office, office, and office, divestment. They
11: are war crimes. They are indiscriminate. They do nothing. We need to to
1: change laws here in this country that discriminate against people that want to support the defund and divestment movement against Israel. There are laws in states where you can't have a government contract if you support the defund and uh, divestment boycott against Israel. It's bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, they got this thing in Maricopa County in Arizona where they're doing an audit. An audit. The Maricopa County supervisors are calling it a mockery and a sham. This just a few hours ago, Maricopa County supervisors blasted Senate President Karen Fan on Monday, accusing her of allowing a mockery to be made of the election process with her audit. On one hand, the board and county recorder Stephen Riker Richer prepared a 14-page letter responding to fans' specific questions. They called them accusations about everything from the handling of ballots to whether a database had been deleted after the election but before files were delivered to Senate-hired auditors. In each case, they said either that the information is false, or that they cannot or will not provide what she wants. But each official also lashed out at Fan. And the Senate for perpetuating what several said amounts to a hoax on the public. They said she has effectively given over the Senate's powers to cyber ninjas, an outside firm that not only has no election audit experience, but is now using the audit to raise money. All right, so Republican Supervisor Bill Gates said that this board was going to be a part of a political theater broadcast on live stream on OAN. The Senate has gone to court before to force the supervisors to surrender the 2.1 million ballots and the election equipment, but a maneuver to hold the supervisors in contempt failed when Senator uh, Paul Boyer declined to go along with his other 15 GOP colleagues. So they made reference to it just then about deleting the data. That was something Trump came out with over the weekend. So the Republican who leads the Maricopa County, Arizona Elections Department slammed former President Trump on Saturday, calling his comments on its 2020 election audit unhinged. So the statement from Trump said, the entire database of Maricopa County in Arizona has been deleted. This is illegal, and the Arizona State Senate, who is leading the forensic audit, is up in arms. Additionally, seals were broken and blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. So the Maricopa County recorder said, wow, this is unhinged. I'm literally looking at our voter registration database on my other screen right now. We can't indulge in these insane lies any longer as a party, as a state, as a country. This is as readily falsifiable as 2 plus 2 equals 5 if we don't call this out. Honey, I'm we're way past that. You motherfuckers should have been calling Republicans out 10, 15, 20 years ago. now Trump and the Democrats have reached a deal yeah they aren't letting any auditors watch it's a complete sham of a process I guarantee they're gonna come out it's gonna be hilarious if they come out like well we didn't find anything and then we're all gonna laugh but like they put us through all this shit but more than likely they're gonna come out and make some stupid ass statement about how they found bamboo There were 40,000 votes, blah, 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 blah. Trump, House Democrats close to deal on Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank subpoenas. Can I get that free Palestine? That's what we're trying to do get that free Palestine. Former President. Trump and House Democrats say they are near a deal—I apologize for misspeaking, I said they had reached a deal—that will settle issues involving congressional subpoenas for his financial records from Deutsche Bank, according to a Monday court filing. The two parties, according to the court filing, are continuing to engage in negotiations to narrow or resolve their disputes and believe they are close to an agreement. The negotiations, the filing record, are over the scope of the subpoena and the process for resolving any concerns about privacy and responsiveness. The parties asked for an additional 30 days to continue negotiations. The filing said the extra time will aid those negotiations and allow coordination with Deutsche Bank regarding the implementation of any agreed-upon process. A spokesperson for Deutsche Bank declined to comment. It's my guess we're going to get to hear about a lot of Trump's finances, probably next year. Now, crazy story, Colorado. We found some voter fraud. This is Barry Morphew Killed his wife and then cast a ballot for Trump in her name. Facing allegations that he voted for former President Donald Trump in her name during the 2020 elections. I think that's the least of the allegations he's facing, to be honest with you. For few, 53 of Poncha Springs is charged with forgery of a public record and an election mail ballot offense, according to authorities. Murphy is being held without bond, however, on charges of first degree murder, tampering with physical evidence, and attempting to influence a public servant. He is accused of killing Suzanne Murphy, 49, who was reported missing May 10th, 2020. Shit! He killed her when they first went into the fucking lockdown. Her bicycle was found abandoned less than a half a mile from the Murphy home. An arrest affidavit obtained by Fox 31 laid out charges related to the election. It was just the icing on the cake. But I love that a murderer was like so convinced that he needed to vote for Donald Trump. Cast a ballot in his wife's name but these people are shameless just like matt gates who how the fuck is he still in congress that was today's freaking news do go check out the youtube give me a like this morning's freaking news was how the fuck is matt gates still in congress A former friend and ally of Representative Matt Gates formally pleaded guilty today to multiple federal charges including sex trafficking, a minor, ID theft, stalking, and fraud. Bringing his broad crime spree to an end and officially marking a new chapter in the investigation of the embattled congressman, Joe Greenberg, who had served as a locally elected tax collector, had to resign his post last year after he was hit with the first of three indictments. Those indictments eventually totaled 33 federal charges, but prosecutors agreed to pair uh, some of those back in order to secure his cooperation. Cooperation with what? Rolling over on his friend Matt Gates. Gates has denied all wrongdoing ever since word leaked in March that federal investigators were looking into whether the Florida congressman had sex with a 17-year-old girl. Gates has not been charged with any crime. Yet. The Republican lawmaker previously had said that it's Greenberg who admitted to the crime and is trying to escape a lengthy prison sentence and has also pleaded guilty to falsely accusing a political rival of being a pedophile. The 84-page plea agreement Greenberg formally signed off on in U.S. District Court does not mention Gates or anyone else by name, but it states that the victim of the sex trafficking had sex with other men while she was 17. Also in hot water, After harassing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez last week, local investigators found some dirt on Marjorie Taylor Greene and this time it's not that she's been in the hot tub with some of her friends from the gym.
10: Next break, any Georgia homeowner is entitled to it for their primary residence. And it's against the law to file for more than one house, and a Channel 2 Action News investigation found that Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is getting the tax break on two houses in two different counties. Channel 2 investigative reporter Justin Gray is live in Midtown Atlanta, and Justin, Green's because office of course she's a fraud. Mind your own business when you asked about
3: this. Yeah, the thing, Linda, is this is not someone's personal business. This is against the law here in Georgia, and it is Fulton and Floyd County taxpayers would foot the bill for any extra tax break the greens could get
1: so how is marjorie taylor green still a congressperson
3: but also now
1: did addendum to that how is marjorie taylor green a congressperson period how did she ever get elected how did matt gates get elected other than the fact that his dad was a very powerful republican
3: thousand dollar house in floyd county last year this is what she told me last summer do you live in the 14th district yes i live in rome a member of Congress does not have to live in the district they represent. But what you legally cannot do is file multiple homestead exemptions, claim two primary residences. And a Channel 2 Action News investigation found that is what Marjorie Taylor Green and her husband have done. William Perry is the founder of the nonprofit Georgia Ethics Watchdogs.
11: So you get a tax break for your permanent residence, but you don't get to do that in two different places. That's against the law.
3: Through open records requests, we pulled the Greens' homestead exemption applications in both Fulton and Floyd County. In the Floyd County application, Greens. I thought she
1: was a small business owner, anyway. If
3: they had another, how she got all these houses? Tax officials confirmed to Channel Two that the Greens never stopped getting the tax break there. The Board of Assessors telling us in a statement that the Fulton exemption became effective for the 2020 tax year. Quote per Georgia law, you can only have one homestead exemption. Such, such an, an
1: obvious violation. violation. To
3: determine in which but hey, she thought she had, like, you know, the co- the county, the county, county tax South
1: supervisor. Uh, uh,
3: statement: Georgians care about their livelihood. Much like Matt city. Gates. <laughs> WSB is in, in her pocket. Which is being taken care of. I'm a proud resident of the 14th district. Justin Gray needs to mind his own business. Instead of launching yet another pathetic attempt to smear me and my family. Wow. But it's more than a paperwork issue. It's against Georgia law. The penalty for filing a false homestead exemption... He's wanted to talk about smearing. ...twice your tax bill, which for the Greens, according to their 2020 bill, could be nearly $12,000. Her statement says this is a paperwork issue.
11: This isn't a paperwork issue. This is fraud. You can't accidentally... It is fraud! ...exemption in two different counties...
3: Fulton County actually, in the past years, has hired outside auditors to come in and look specifically for homeowners doing this, filing multiple homestead exemptions. It's something they did back in 2013, and it's something that, if many people do it, can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, taken from the Fulton County budget. Reporting live in Midtown Atlanta, Justin, Great Channel Two Mm -hmm. Action News. Justin, thank you, and more back.
1: You're welcome. Oh, she wasn't talking to me, was she? You're talking about Justin Gray Midtown Atlanta go down there and have you a vortex burger or base force commander removed after saying Marxism is infiltrating the military oh God damn there's so much wrong with that statement ah. A lieutenant colonel in the Space Force has been removed from his post after he went on a podcast (laughs) to claim that Marxism is invading the military. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer was temporarily reassigned after going on a podcast and touting his book Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest, and the Unmaking of the American Military. Lieutenant General Stephen Whitting has initiated a command-directed investigation on whether these comments constitute prohibited partisan political activity. Lohmeyer, commander of the 11th Space, Force, uh, Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base in Colorado, got into hot water after appearing on the conservative podcast Information Operation, which I'm sure they are providing tons of information on. His book claims that a neo-Marxist agenda has infiltrated the military The diversity, inclusion, and equity industry. I didn't know if it said equality or equity. The diversity, inclusion, and equity industry and the trainings we are receiving in the military is rooted in critical race theory, which is rooted in Marxism. The diversity, inclusion, and equity... In the trainings we are receiving in the military, rooted in critical race theory, which is rooted in Marxism. He doesn't know what any of those fucking words mean. He insisted that his book is not political, <laughs> but rather a warning about the increased politicization of the armed forces some of which he said he's seen firsthand. Lomeyer also took apparent issue with Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby, who he referred to only as a Pentagon spokesperson, claiming that Kirby had said, there are too many white pilots in the Air Force and Space Force. Kirby denied making the comment in a statement on Friday. <laughs> Doesn't really seem like he's too devoted to upholding any kind of oath. But man, these people, they're... wing propaganda has them completely fucking scared of Marxism. Even if they're a badass UFC champion... They're still scared of fucking Marxism. After 3 rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for decision. All 3 judges score this contest. This is over the weekend at the UFC. I don't even know what number they're on anymore. It's like 300, 400 or something. Are you? Joe Rogan's going to get into the octagon.
0: I'm here with the winner, Benil Dariush. Benil, the biggest name of your career. Just let him get it all out. Uh, uh, Just a completely dominant performance. Not
1: very well liked by the fans. A a
0: veteran, a real veteran and a legend in Tony Ferguson.
3: How happy are you with this? Uh, Very happy. First things first, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's number one. Hey, calm down. Calm oh, this,
1: down. this this calm. happened over the weekend.
3: I want to dedicate this fight to all the people who've been hurt by Marxist ideologies. There are millions of you, and I know it. And uh, it's just a fight. I know it's not much, but I want you to know that I love you. And I First of all,
1: just judging by his name. Oh, it's 262. My bad. I said there were like 300 and something. So, like... Dedicating his win to the victims of Marxism. I thought he was like fucking Eastern European by his name, but no, he's fucking American.
3: Understand the pain? I don't completely understand, but I love you and I, I understand your pain. And finally, I want to call somebody out. Joe, I want to call out your buddy, Elon. Elon Musk. Where's my wife's car, bro? I've been waiting. Dude,
1: beat Elon's ass. I'm totally about that.
3: You need a good car. i I gotta protect my daughter let's go elon get me my car
1: okay let's let's talk about the fight i'm i'm totally down if he wants to kick elon musk's ass like i might become a fan of him so yeah this was ufc 262 on saturday night got a unanimous decision Now, Ricky Schroeder, who I still don't know who he is, apparently Nick Jonas says he cracked his uh, rib in a bicycle incident. Breaking news on TMZ, but I don't care about that. I want to see Ricky Schroeder go into Costco and yell at a manager.
8: What's your name? My name is Jason. And who do you, what do you do here? I'm a supervisor, front end supervisor. And why aren't you letting me in? Because in the state of California, in the county of Los Angeles, there has been no, and Costco, there has been no change to our mask policy. Not in the state of California or in the county. Didn't you see the news? You didn't see the news nationwide. Nationwide Costco, said you don't need to wear a mask actually that's not accurate that, what is, that? is not accurate so what is accurate is that Costco always, always what goes is accurate
1: the is that right wingers are morons
8: mandate in California has not changed there does seem to be the possibility that in June by mid June that's a date that California I oh,
1: know they allowed that's, a, I, that's my issue is that this motherfucker shouldn't have to deal with these assholes that's why I'm not for the government lifting the restrictions yet as long as we still have half the population is unvaccinated. We, we are just less than half of the population has one dose of the vaccine. About 38% is fully vaccinated. As long as that's the case, I think that the government should keep the mandates in place so that the onus is on the government. And this poor dude doesn't have to deal with this bullshit. Yeah, that's that's the worry. Producer Dave talked about, like, are we going to hit 65%, 66% and just level off? We're not going to hit herd immunity.
8: They grant us that, our kings, the people in power. You're going to listen to these people? Well, That's a real worry. Economy. Well, they're so destroying they're our culture. Navigating. They're destroying our state. I see. And you're just going to listen to their rules. What? What we are going to do is simply follow the guidelines. Okay. I'm getting my Costco refund. Costco. I'm getting my refund from Costco. I suggest everybody in California get their refund. From Apparently Costco. this dude was a kid actor. Give up your membership to Costco actor. until they remove this. Okay, well this hasn't changed in any building uh, in California, in any company that I'm aware of. The places I shop okay. still fire masks, but that's not the point. The point is Costco is simply abiding by the law and that's the law. There's my refund. You're the manager? I'm the manager. Okay, I'm suggesting everybody in California get a refund from Costco until this rule is lifted. Thank you. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you. So, you heard Erky Schroeder. Go get a refund from Costco. Yeah, that, that'll happen. Remember, do not go to McDonald's on Wednesday. Several cities are striking. All right, guys, this is some wild ass video. It's already gone by here, we can go back. This is some wild ass video here, get ready. You're going to see a truck come off of the road right here. Apparently she was coming off of the interstate, ran a stop sign. And it's amazing that there wasn't a fireball go through here. Outlandish. Boom. I believe the accelerator got stuck and she was unable to break. Took the pump clean off. it's it's amazing to me that something didn't catch fire with that kind of friction oh okay boom the entire pump clean off took the stop sign with her too as she was coming off the interstate Oh, 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 we got a smoky. Finally made an appearance in this show. <coughs> One person was hurt Tuesday after a vehicle drove through a stop sign and hit a pump in Auburn, California. Officials said an elderly woman was getting off Interstate 80 at Lincoln Way when she plowed through a stop sign, went through an intersection, and took out a Texaco gas pump. The gas pump automatically shut off after the collision, so that's cool. It had like a safety mechanism. The gas station itself was not hit. The woman had minor injuries after the crash. Drugs and alcohol are not suspected. All right, so finishing up tonight. Ah, that, that makes total sense. I just... Seeing the pump just go clean off like that, you would have thought just fucking gas would have shot up, and that kind of that kind of friction, because uh, the wheels were all the way off the ground. All right, so heartwarming story, complete with fantastic video. Truck driver rescues family of raccoons stuck in a dumpster. That's not. That's not a family. That's a brood of them. Oh, do you want to see? You want to see the raccoon, Smokey?
7: Yay, trash pandas said, don't play in the
8: trash. Should always be kind to Mother Nature.
5: I'm gonna help
1: these little guys this is Bradenton uh, Florida apparently So they were they were absolutely trapped in there. I thought they were just hanging out.
8: Aww.
1: Oh. He was a little
0: furball.
1: There's still one in there. Oh, there's still a couple. God damn, how many of them were there? Oh, don't be shy, little dudes. Oh, when it said rescues, I thought he was adopting them. No, he just helped them out of the dumpster, okay. I thought he was taking in the whole family raccoons. That's what I would have done. He looks a little... Come here, raccoons. You're going to come live with me now. There's a meme that goes around. I always share it whenever I do. It's like... uh, Stray cats piss me off. All you want to be stray for? Come on, get my car. Ten young raccoons digging through the trash. A gaze or a nursery of raccoons? Oh, cool. I did not know that. Thank you. I love learning shit. I actually learned a lot from uh, Scott, our guest earlier tonight, the Reverend Scott Williamson, the Salty Pastor. Go check him out. If you're watching on Twitch, I'm going to send you over to Meltdown Monday on Echoplex with the Media Winch go ahead light one up tip one back it's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack i'm justin freaking we will see you tomorrow night on the troll patrol
0: five